as real estate investors, we're here to solve a problem. We're not here to go ahead and milk his money. I think a lot of people think investors are there just to scam people because they're trying to lowball them. That's not the point. The point is you want to get out of a situation and I'm here to help you. So let's work something out to make it work. Found out that he owes about 180,000 left on the property. Okay, great. You know, um, I, I make sure that I'm not going to go anything lower. And we asked him what his underlying number is. And he said, he told us, because his reason why was he wants to scale down. And that was his main reason. And he's just really exhausted. He's a self-managed guy. He manages 400 doors himself, which is insane. So, um, and you could see the, the, his properties are just not well taken care of because you can't even hit one property a day and he still can't do all of it. So um, that we understood and we kept in contact with him. So um, long story short, it's worth it. You know, sometimes it's worth it to wait. Welcome to Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, where we focus on the deals. Our guests are real estate closers who will share in detail the whole process from finding a deal to closing it, as well as strategies and tips to help you do the same. Here's your host, Annette Talee. Welcome to another episode of Deal Closers. I am your host, Annette Lee, and my guest today is Doris Ng. Welcome, Doris. Thank you. I'm very excited to have you on the show. I connected with her at a conference, a virtual event, and I was very impressed with your story. Uh, she invests with her sister, and it was such an amazing story that they told us at this uh, panel. So I just I couldn't wait to invite you to the show. So let me tell everybody a little bit about you. Doris is the managing partner at Two Savvy Sisters, a real estate investment company started with her sister, Alice. Doris has been investing in real estate since 2012 in both residential and commercial multifamily. Her experience has led her to form partnerships with experienced real estate professionals and trusted advisors. Currently, Two Savvy Sister Investments owns a passively invested and invest in over 350 units across multiple states. Wow. Thank you. Very impressed. <laughs> so, Doris, tell me, how did you get into real estate? How did you start? Well, funny, I think uh, a lot of us have many different inspirational stories that allow us to start real estate. Uh, I started as an entrepreneur back right after, right after college. So I really um, never really held a position. So I started a, a restaurant 14 years ago when I uh, came out of college. And um, I guess sometimes ignorance is bliss because I knew nothing about the industry, nothing about business ownership. And uh, we started it and built it and um, developed a really awesome team. We had up to about 65 employees. Everything really went really well in the business. We were able to scale it. And um, the, 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 one of the inspirational results that drove us to get into real estate was uh, when we scaled the business, we realized that we kind of got bored. And you know, my sister, uh, who's also my partner, Alice, she's very visionary and um, she thought of the idea of real estate. Why don't we get into real estate? Because um, it could help us with our retirement. We didn't have a 401k in, uh, when you own your own business because it can get kind of pricey. So we decided to invest our profits into real estate at that time. And we bought our very first single family home in 2012. So 
Fast forward, uh, you know, eight years into it, we realized that uh, the last couple of years, we realized that, you know, growing um, a portfolio of single family and smaller units is great, but it wasn't efficient enough. And we always wanted to go ahead and um, really scale up on real estate, but we didn't know how. We, we see other um, associates of ours that could grow so quickly, and we were just wondering how they can get to that. So uh, two years ago, we were able to um, just really focus a lot of our energy onto the multifamily. We sold a lot of our underperforming smaller units to really divest back into the multifamily space. So really it, it's kind of starting all over again at that point. And uh, so we had tremendous success on doing that. We met a lot of valuable people such as yourself through a lot of different events and different courses that we took to really kind of understand that whole space, real estate, it can, it's basically uniformly across the same on, on many different levels, but when it comes to multifamily, there are certain um, things that you just have to kind of watch out for a little bit. So we uh, really studied that a, a lot the last couple of years. And then from there, we're able to dive into many different states and leverage the help of other uh, folks that are a lot more um, experienced on certain levels while we add in our value as well. Mm -hmm. That's awesome. And you touched on something that is very important. Like you can get a lot of information for free online. And I think everybody should start there until you kind of find what you like and you want to do. But once you know what you want to do, you got to really get educated because you don't want to make mistakes. <laughs> that could cost you a lot of money. Yeah. And, and one of the first things we did in real estate is we made a lot of mistakes. We bought um, retail price for a lot of our properties because we didn't know. Um, we just figured that the MLS is the only way to go when it comes to buying properties. And that's exactly what we did. It wasn't bad, but again, it wasn't efficient. We really wanted our dollar to work hard for us. But during that time, we were working for the dollar if that makes sense. And um, so we, we just grew it very, very organically. Again, not a bad Thing to do but again you're, if you really want to scale up and use that as a legacy and a retirement that's probably going to take you much longer than just signing up for a 401k so we really needed to find another solution to actually make our dollar work a little bit harder and um, that's when like you said the education came through a lot of information is built online and uh, you can get all of the resources it's just coming up with a special niche group that you could actually associate with and work with because real estate, there's so many different ways of making money. There's hard money that you could lend out. There's just a, a wholesaling. There's just a ton of them. And when you get into the real estate space, you're really overwhelmed by it. And, and I think that's what happened to us. We just didn't really know. So we just dived into every little thing we've done fix and flips. We've done, you know, the rehabs of it. We've done a, wholesaling and all of that stuff. And at the end of the day, we found out that buy and holds were really our strategy because of our purpose of why we got into real estate. Absolutely. The deal. All right. So let's talk about the deal. What deal do you want to talk about today? Sure. So um, we, early this year, we acquired a six unit in uh, Wisconsin. So that was um, a deal that we've been working on for a very long time. So it really encompasses a lot of moving parts on this particular deal. 
and um, how we found this deal was uh, driving for dollars really and what driving for dollars means is you're literally driving around and seeing what properties that you're interested in that could bring a little bit of value that you could drive some value adds to it so we actually had an 11 unit that we were interested in and thankfully we got overbidded on that 11 unit and right next door to the 11 unit was a six unit so we looked at it, we, we saw that we could bring a lot of value to it. It was in a great neighborhood and um, we decided to call the owner. Uh, now the owner did not answer or did not return my call for about a month because he was an older gentleman and um, phone calls and emails just wasn't his thing. So he didn't really check it much. And uh, we also sent him a letter. And then finally, he out of the blue, he just texted me and said he does want to sell his six unit. Let's go ahead and discuss. So we spent some time to discuss on how we did it. He um, was very um, interested in selling because he had 400 doors at the time. And he was trying to bring it down to 100 just for lifestyle purposes. So he came in at the right time. And that's why it's really important for you to do that follow up. Now, uh, what happened was everything, the PSA, everything got submitted in. We were ready to go ahead and lock down for it. And then about a month before we were supposed to close, I had the earnest money, everything in. He calls me back and tells me he's not selling the property. Oh, <laughs> so, no. so, um, typically it doesn't work this way with the seller and the buyers. It usually is the buyers that have cold feet, but the seller himself, he had cold feet and said, I'm sorry, I'm not selling. I am willing to pay for all the, the legal fees that happen on this whole thing, but I'm not selling it. And I asked him why, what can we do to go ahead and help out? He just basically over depreciated on his properties and he'll be paying a heavy, heavy tax gain. I offered even doing seller financing, whatever it may be, and he just opted out for it. So long story short, we waited for about another, almost a year to, to do this, but we were very adamant. We kept in touch with him. We sent him Christmas cards. We sent him all of that just to be top of mind. And again, this is why relationship is really important because had we given up, it wouldn't have worked. So November of 2019, I shot him another text and he's a fax guy. He doesn't email. So I had to open up a fax line, an online fax line to accommodate him because I knew he had 400 doors. So um, we texted him and we faxed him and said, hey, what's going on? Do you have anything coming up? I would love to, I would love the opportunity to work with you on that six unit again or any other properties that you have. Shot me a text right away and said, yes, I actually do. I the six unit that you saw a year ago. I want to sell it. But the problem is I'm doing a 1031 exchange and I need you to close it in three weeks. Can you do that? So that was the challenge. And um, of course, I asked him, is the deal still on from a year ago? Is the offer price still the same? If that remains, I will go ahead and close out for you a year later. I mean, uh, I'll go ahead and let's keep the same price. And I'll close in three weeks for you. So he said, yep, let's keep it at the same price and let's close in January when I can go ahead and uh, do my 1031. So we were able to go ahead and wrap it up and close that deal. Um, during the midst of it, we were trying to get financing for it and the banks just couldn't do it in time. And they said, you know, three weeks to close, that's going to be very difficult, girls, because we need to get an appraisal and, you know, the whole thing. So, of course, we had to resort over to our private money sector, which was um, the people that we built relationships with. And we were able to close cash on the deal with uh, a little bit of private money plus our own. And again, that successfully closed January early this year. So okay. hold on a second. For the people that don't know, 
So what's private money? Good question. So <laughs> private money is uh, essentially money that you uh, take in privately, maybe your friends and family, people that you know fairly well, that is able to go ahead and lend you the money at an interest that you both agree on. So um, for us, we develop a very good network of individuals. Uh, we were entrepreneurs in the very beginning, so most of our contacts or connections are entrepreneurs. And uh, because entre entrepreneurs generally have pretty good cash flow, but just they don't have time. So we offer to go ahead and um, help them invest their money by lending it to us to acquire this property. So once we get it completely done, then we go ahead and we um, pay them back the principal plus the interest. So it's an easy uh, money for them to go ahead and earn without lifting a pinky, really. And it helps me out because I'm able to close on the deal and get it done. So um, we're in the How long do you normally do these uh, loans? Uh, the loans with private money is really shared between you and your private money investor. Uh, we generally like to stay within six to 12 months is our time frame. Anything over 12 months, it can get a little bit difficult for them to agree to lend you the money just because a lot of them are just liquid and they probably need it for something else for them. But that's our, um, how we run it. And um, right now we're in the process of refinancing that six unit. It's actually, uh, it works out really well because we had about $100,000 in equity um, with the whole refinance. So we're able to cash out um, with little to no money into the deal for us. That's, that's amazing. Yeah. All right. So let's back it up a little bit. And that one you found it with driving for dollars, right? Yeah. And, and you said that you mentioned the seller financing. So yeah. I, what was the reason he didn't, uh, or did he share the reason he didn't want to do seller financing? Initially, he didn't want, he didn't want to sell it to us because he over depreciated. So I offered seller financing, meaning that you'll pay less taxes. What it means when he over depreciate is that if I bought the property from him, now he's going to have to pay this capital gain tax that he doesn't want to pay. So in order to avoid that or to minimize that, we offered seller financing for him. And generally I would be okay offering at a higher price. And uh, he declined on that because he still felt like he had to pay capital gains, which is very true. You still have to pay a little bit. And um, so I backed out of the deal. If he, if you're not okay, I'm, I'm fine with it too, but we just were persistent that we kept in touch. And then finally he had to do a 1031 and we knew 1031 deals generally won't do seller financing because he needs to sell me that I need to buy that property. So he takes the capital and then buys that new property. So we knew the only way to get that deal, that property was to get private money and, and like do cash basically for him and close it at a reasonable time. Um, otherwise, he knew he could have gotten the, the property for about $30,000 more. And going into it, the appraised value was we bought it for $30,000 in equity already. So we knew that coming in, we already have a pretty good stance on it. And um, now backing it up to the, the private money, we're able to go ahead and close and all that. So now we're doing the rehab for it and we have a different strategy and how we build up what we call the net operating income to increase that. So it makes the value of the multifamily worth more. So um, we are expected to have $100,000 in equity once we get the, the, the CapEx stuff done to the property as well as we want to. And then we're able to return the money back to our private investors so they could have the interest plus the principal that they earn.
earned. And then we're happy because we pay, we put little to no money into the six unit and we have a healthy cash flowing six unit coming in. So super ecstatic about that. Um, and again, this drives into many, many different things because our relationship with different lenders, the private money sector and the seller. So it's really, really important that you develop those because had one of them not fit in, I, I think we would have lost a deal. Right. And so tell me about the numbers now. So how did you, how did you uh, gain this $70,000 in equity with the rehab? How much did you spend on the rehab and how did that increase the value of the property? Sure. So we bought the, the six unit for $235,000. Um, Going into it, again, we knew the area really well because we had surrounding properties around there. So um, again, it's very important to invest in, in areas that you're familiar with. Know your market, right? Yeah, yeah, really have to hone in. That market is only a 10 mile radius. It's not even that big, but you have to know it because the minute he said he's gonna sell, we, we knew we had to jump in. There was no realtor involved. So we knew that the property's worth at least in the 270 range. And um, this is as is, and he wasn't very good about keeping his properties because again, driving for dollars, I saw that the property needed a lot of TLC in it. So um, with the rehab, what we're doing is we're doing a couple of different things. Um, we like to always do with exterior work. That's number one, because appraisers really look at that. It's, it's, it's a visual thing. And um, so we fit, we are fixing up the, the, the parking lot. We are um, trimming down some of the mature trees that makes the house look too, um, uh, to cover. And we're also really just maintaining, uh, just keeping the landscape. So that's already a, a big plus on that. And um, because all units are occupied right now, and they're about $100 less than market rent. So we're actually, once the whole COVID thing lifts, then we're automatically adding in um, the market rents to, to where it needs to be without um, really, I, I guess in Wisconsin, it doesn't matter. You could just increase rent as you need to. And um, he didn't add any pet fees. So we have a couple units that have pets in it. So we're gonna really right away drive that already. So that's um, increasing that. And then we're converting half of our units to uh, corporate housing. So uh, corporate housing is an extension of um, short-term housing, which a lot of people know about. The only difference with corporate housing is that um, these it's corporate companies coming in and they're basically renting out for a time frame six months, three months, two months. And we're able to almost double the rent, not by doing a whole lot. We furnished it and we paid for the utilities. We built that all into the rent, but you can almost two times the rent that you normally get. So we're going to be converting three of our units to go ahead and support that, to drive the NOI up. Now this property is cash flowing about 12% cash on cash. And then once we convert it over to a, um, uh, where three units become corporate housing, we're probably driving up at a close to 15% cash on cash on the deal. And, um, but being that we didn't put any money in or very little of it, we are 100% cash on cash at that point. So we really don't care. Not saying we don't care, but we're, we're really happy with whatever we can get from cash flow. So this property is um, supposed to be worth, after that, just a little bit under 400000 roughly sitting at the 360 is what we're allocating to do. And then we'll refinance it after two years for that. Awesome. That is amazing. So, um, so when you found the property, how did you negotiate it? Was he already at the 235,000 price or did you have to negotiate with him? Who, 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 who offered first? 
Um, we, we actually, we always ask the seller, what is, what number they like to sit at? Okay. That's really important to ask. And then also to find out how much, if they owe any money on the property, how much, because at least, you know, you can't go anything lower than that. So, um, we found out that he still has some money there, but he's a very savvy investor. So he normally likes to take money out. He likes to refi the, the properties out right away. He only keeps a certain percentage in it. And we had asked him if we were to do seller financing with him, can he pay off the whole note? And then we just pay him. And he's like, yeah, I could totally do that if I wanted to. So we knew that he had, he was very savvy with it. Um, he was asking in the, in the 245 at first. And um, we still knew that the 245 was still a good deal, considering what the rent rolls were going for, considering that it was always 100% occupied. We weren't really um, concerned about that. We're, we were talking with our coach and, and just making sure, can we get anything lower? So of course, um, we kept on going back and forth. And, and he said, finally, you know what, let's, let's settle at the 235. But that means that you guys will be paying, there's no seller financing on it. And we said, that's fine. We'll, we'll go ahead and do that. The biggest thing we gave him in the very beginning, our very first meeting was we gave him two LOIs, two letter of intents. Option one, seller financing. Option two is cash. So, so basically it doesn't even allow him to think, do you want to sell the property to me? Is you're selling it. It's just you want A or B. So it gives a notion of just pick your choice, don't think. And he ended up initially doing um, the seller financing, but again, he had cold feet, so that didn't work out. And then we, were, we jumped back over to the financing. He didn't want that. Uh, fast forward a year later, he was okay with the financing or the cash side of it because he had a 1031. So it's just you have to be open to think about different options with the seller because as real estate investors, we're here to solve a problem. We're not here to go ahead and milk his money. I think a lot of people think investors are there just to scam people because they're trying to lowball them. That's not the point. The point is you want to get out of a situation and I'm here to help you. So let's work something out to make it work. Found out that he owes about 180,000 left on the property. Okay, great. You know, um, I, I make sure that I'm not going to go anything lower. And we asked him what his underlying number is. And he said, he told us, because his reason why was he wants to scale down. And that was his main reason. And he's just really exhausted. He's a self-managed guy. He manages 400 doors himself, which is insane. So, um, and you could see the, the, his properties are just not well taken care of because you can't even hit one property a day and he still can't do all of it. So um, that we understood and we kept in contact with him. So um, long story short, it, it's worth it. You know, sometimes it's worth it to wait. It, it, it was really worth it. So what difference did you do on the LOI? I, you know, it's so funny because I did that with a property that I was uh, pursuing here in Florida and my realtor at the time was like, what are you trying to do? Why do you want to do two LOIs? I'm like, just do it. Like, yeah. just do it. And they didn't take either. <laughs> but my realtor was like questioning it because I, I remember hear, hearing that strategy uh, somewhere else. And obviously it worked for you, you yeah. know, like you didn't give him the option to not sell. You just gave him the option, either seller financing or um, cash. Yeah. And what was the difference between those two offers? Uh, it was about roughly about a $10,000 difference. Um, but how we structure a lot of our seller financing deals are um, we always include interest only payments for the first year. So, Pricing to us is not that big of a deal. If a seller is asking for premium pricing, we learn that that's fine. 
what can we build out of this? So, you know, if you want the 245, I'm fine paying it, but on my terms now. So we would let them know, great, the 245, but I want the first three years to be interest only payments. So it allows me to go ahead and have some extra room to have mistakes and not worry about it. And then, um, and then have a, a balloon time. We like to sit in at a, a 10 year balloon because I want to give ourselves ample time to do the refinance with the bank. You know, so it gives us that wiggle room to say, you know what, if things, if the recession, like right now, coronavirus is hitting, I don't want to be forced to go into a refinance with the bank right away, knowing that a lot of lenders are cutting off lending. So that, if that were to happen, we would have given the property potentially back to him, if that makes sense. So that's why it's really important for us that when we do it, we factor in so many different avenues of, okay, great, you, that is your, your, your well-to-do sitting price. I'm going to go ahead and work everything on my terms. If that works, then great. I'll ask for a lower interest sometimes. I would say, you know, you, the banks right now are lending at 4%. Um, your money market account is giving you a 1%, maybe not even. I'll sit in right between. I'll just do maybe a 3.5%. You're still making money. All of us are making. You're getting your premium dollar that you wanted. I'm still giving you interest on top of that. And if things don't go well, you get a brand new property essentially because I fixed everything up and it's going back to you. So I, I think you have nothing to lose and everything to gain. And that's why he was okay. We actually have a, a 42 unit that we verbally agreed on with him to do a seller carry or seller finance, but he just needs to agree. <laughs> so again, this, this has been a work in progress for a couple of years now. So uh, he said, don't worry, you know, the last time we, we spoke to him two months ago, I, I am considering selling that 42 unit. And we said, yes, please. <laughs> so it, it is going to be a work in progress to make sure. Yeah. That, that's an awesome, awesome story because you gave him the options. And like you said, you created a win-win situation. Yeah. And at the beginning, you know, he, when he got cold feet and decided not to sell, did he ended up paying your legal fees and your expenses? Yeah, he was okay doing that. Yeah. Okay. We gave him two, again, we always give options. We said, okay, either one, you pay for all the legal fees that happened or show us another property you want to sell. He wanted to offload a lot. He had to like, I have a six, I have an eight unit. I have this. Show me all of that. Let's go ahead and do that. Give me a couple options here. I don't want to just end it. But if you have other properties, he said, yeah, I do have other properties I want to offload. So let's go ahead and, and get this thing figured out. So um, the hard, the challenging part is with any other investor, he had no time because he was busy self-managing his properties. So getting him to visit with us on the property was so difficult. And again, he doesn't email. So we had to conform to his standard of communication, which is faxing. So I had a fax every so often. I would send him a fax to say, hey, what's going on? How are things going? And, um, and the fact that we're able to stay true to him, what he prefer prefers and why he's doing it, it really helped us get that deal. So we're, we're, we're slowly trying to offload as much as his deals as possible. So. That, that's amazing. And I hope that he agrees soon to go for <laughs> 42 unit. Expert tips. All right. So now is the part of the show where you're going to give me three expert tips. And Doris is going to give us three expert tips on relationships. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of 
exactly how the story panned out. It's really important for you to develop relationships with um, everybody that you meet, whether you uh, bring more value to them or they bring more value to you. It's just really important. The minute you connect with somebody, it's just really important to to build that relationship. So the first thing is obviously follow-up. It's really important when you have a relationship with somebody, it's not just to say, hi, we met for the first time, and then you kind of go silent until you need something from them. That's typically how it works for a lot of us, including myself, that I'm trying to improve on. Um, so building that constant relationship, if you have a really good feeling with this individual and you really want to build that connection with them, you really do need to take the time. And now is the best time because of coronavirus. We're all at home. So you really have no other excuse but to say, I'm going to go down my phone and, and pick someone I can chat with and catch up with because it's been so long. And um, I've done so much this the last couple of months. I'm easily talking over 4,000 minutes a month. And it's just insane. I'm not used to that. And uh, it's good to reconnect with a lot of friends and family that you kind of forgot you put in the back burner. So that's very important because you may never know like how we acquired the six unit. Um, the other one is value add. Uh, a lot of us, like I mentioned before, we only connect with somebody because we need something. And although that is great, but you need to also understand that you need to bring value to somebody before you grab something from them wholeheartedly. It's just very difficult for you to say, hey, you know, Annette, I, I need this from you. Can you help me do this? When you and I didn't really develop a relationship, it's just really hard for you to, to go all in and support me versus me, what can I do for you today in hopes, well, maybe it won't happen, but, you know, what can I do today to drive value to you so you could appreciate me and think of me in the next time, you know, we come across. So um, again, that's really important to go ahead and, and really, really have that as a habit, I guess, to really drive that value to others. And the third is uh, really integrity. And um, when it comes down to integrity, it's really important to be practicing or saying what you're practicing or practicing what you preach, uh, however you say that. Um, because we, my sister and I, when we have a property under contract, for example, we are 100% closers. When we say, I'm going to close on a property and buy something from you, we have, you have our word that we're going to close. It's really, really disappointing sometimes when somebody says, you know, I, I'm going to buy from you and all of a sudden they just kind of drop off because you don't have that, that, that skill credibility. You don't have any of that. That makes it very hard for someone to trust you. I'm going to use another example. We acquired another property last year and it was from a wholesaler. I don't know, have you ever done any wholesale deals before and buying from a wholesaler? But a lot of times they do uh, proof of purchase that they say, if you're gonna buy this property, I need you to show me that you have the money in your bank to go ahead and buy it. Well, Alice and I, we don't. We always say, I'm gonna buy it, I'll close next week on it, and they said, okay, great. So we developed that relationship where we don't have to show proof of funds on it, which is great, and on top of that, that wholesaler gave the property to Alice and I, or decided to sell it to us, and we're not the highest bidder we were probably about a $5,000, I think less than what the other bidder bid, but because of the relationship and longevity and the guarantee to close, the seller, the wholesaler said, I'm not gonna deal with that person. I don't know if they can close. I'm just gonna work with you girls. I know that I can close next week with you. So therefore, I'm gonna sell it to you. So it's a win-win for a lot of people, and we have another uh, 10 unit on a contract right now from another wholesaler, exact same thing. It was a $20,000 difference that we under, offered and they're giving it to us 
So huge, huge thing that you have to understand when it comes down to integrity is you need to really own what you say a lot of times because people know that and they feel it. So I think that's pretty much it. <laughs> awesome advice. And I, I totally agree with you. I, I sometimes grinch at people negotiate, that negotiate on something when they are not ready to buy. Because yeah. if you're not ready to buy, then you, you may back out and then you're not going to look good. Like if you are negotiating, like you have to be ready to, if you agree on a price to do it. Yeah. Right? Um, so definitely amazing, amazing story. And you are the living proof that you are doing what you are preaching because, you know, you're following up and you're creating these amazing relationships that are paying off at the end. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. And it's a lot of fun. And, you know, when you're in this, the, the game of real estate, there's so many moving parts. And if you enjoy every one of those parts, it's, it's amazing. And you don't even feel like it is a, a job. And now we're building wealth and we're also building legacy, what we wanted to do in this, in this game of real estate, that along the way you get to meet some phenomenal people like yourself. And it's just amazing to, to kind of see yourself grow and others grow in that aspect too. Absolutely. Thank you so much for being on the show. So how can people find you uh, online if they want to work with you? Yeah, we are on Instagram. Um, our uh, handle is Two Savvy Sisters, and it's the number two Savvy Sisters. Um, a quick story about our name. We came up with the name because we were not savvy. And every single time now when we think of different ideas, we always say, is that savvy enough? Is that savvy enough? You know, can we, can we go ahead and, and challenge ourselves to be a little bit more... Um, productive and efficient with what we're doing and because of that it just resonated with us really well so here you have it the name um find us on instagram i am on uh, facebook as well doris ing is uh, you could easily look me up if you did doris ing wisconsin i think i'm the only one it was <laughs> not difficult to look me up as well uh, i'd love to connect with more people and kind of share experiences just because I still have a lot to learn in this game of real estate. And I'd love to go ahead and uh, learn from many of you at the same time, if there's any other uh, value that I can drive, I'll be more than happy to share a lot of our resources as well. Awesome. Thank you so much. And if you are enjoying this podcast or any of the other episodes, please subscribe, like, share, and also leave us a five-star review if you're enjoying and learning something from this podcast. It really helps our podcast go uh, to more listeners. So thank you for that. And uh, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. This was Real Estate Deal Closers with Annette Talee, brought to you by Talee Investments. We hope that you enjoyed this episode. Our goal is to provide amazing value on your real estate journey. Connect online at www.taleeinvestments.com, where you can find this episode and more. Did you like this episode? Subscribe, like, and share.